Hey, good morning, 9 a.m. service. Anchor Church, how you guys doing? Is it good? You guys are awake, alive, doing well? Um, I'm Pastor Carl, the lead pastor at Anchor Church. Just blessed to be talking with you guys this morning uh, in the room, in the courtyard. I know we got some people. You know, there's a bunch of people. You guys out there, you can see me on the camera right now. You guys choose to be the courtyard church people every week, and I love that. So we acknowledge you guys out there or in the family room or watching online. Hey, we're just blessed to be able to talk with you this morning and hang out. But um, I want to jump right into it this morning. We're, we're ending our fourth uh, sermon in this series on doubts and on uh, the fact we titled this one, I Want to Believe But, and we're going to talk about some of the doubts, and we've been talking about um, when, when we don't get our, our prayers answered. I want to believe in you, God. You seem cool. You're, you're good, but you're not answering my prayers the way that I asked, right? Or, or the second one we talked about, there's just too many rules. Like, your Christianity, it's all about rules and things I can't do. And then last week, we, we covered the one, if you guys remember, the title was, I'm not feeling it. What do we do if we want to be a Christian and believe in God, but it just doesn't seem to be working in my life? I go into worship, I'm, I'm numb. Read the word, I'm not getting anything out of it. What, what do we do in those seasons in life? And we've been talking about all of these different things. And today, I want to jump right in and I want to talk to you guys about probably one of the greatest questions in all of theology, one of the hardest ones to answer, honestly. I went to Bible college, I read all kinds of books and commentaries and, and discussions about God, and this is the question that is so hard for a lot of us, is what do we do with the fact that bad stuff happens to good people? Why does that happen? I want to believe in you, God, but you're supposed to be a God that's a creator, you're a protector, you give us love and all of this stuff. What about the bad stuff that still happens to us in life? And um, it doesn't take much for us to look around the world around us and, and ask ourselves that question or ask God that question. So there's doubts that we have associated with that. We look around us, we look at the pain and the suffering. We look at cancer. We look at folks that we know, loved ones, friends and family that have died much too early. We don't understand that. We did a, a movie series recently at the movies. Did you guys enjoy that in July? We took apart movies and we brought, that was good, huh? Okay, should we do it again? Yes. Okay, we will. Tomorrow. No, not tomorrow, but next year or something. But um, one of the movies that we looked at was The Impossible, which talked about a family who survived the crazy tsunamis from the earthquakes that hit Thailand and all of those places in Southeast Asia. Over 200,000 people lost their lives. Where's the good God in that? Why does this bad stuff have to happen? Natural uh, calamities and tragedies and earthquakes and floods and all that stuff. Why, God, do you allow racism? Because we've been seeing in our own country some evil and some disgusting attitudes and thoughts of humans towards other humans. Why does that have to happen, God? And so it doesn't take us too much time to look around in the world and see that there's a lot of bad stuff that happens. There's pain, there's suffering, there's, there's all of these accidents and disasters, and there's evil in the world around us, and even in the Bible, right? Because we, we think, oh, why is it happening, and did they worry about this stuff in the Bible? Yes, they did. Let me give you a few examples. David, a man after God's own heart, greatest king of Israel. You guys know the whole story, the young shepherd boy that grew up, fought the the, the giant Goliath and all this, and he's a good guy. But remember that David, who wrote half of the book of Psalms, about 75 of the Psalms, which are poems or worship songs or, or just words to God, remember that a big portion of what David wrote was this. God, where are you? I'm hurting right now. God, show up and rescue me. This is not cool. These people are oppressing my life. They're attacking me. They're ruining my name. They're, they're coming against my people. God, why do you reject me? How come your face is turned away from me? How come the bad people are winning and the good people are taking cracks? Why does this happen? There's a huge part of David's Psalms to God that was asking this question. Why does bad stuff happen to seemingly good people? If you can remember the book of Job, anybody ever heard of Job? You've read the book in the Bible? Come on, anybody? Give me some feedback. Are you out there? You're listening? Okay, good. Talk about having a bad day. Job, you guys know his story. Everything was wiped out. God allowed it to happen, allowed the enemy to come in and to demolish his life. He lost all of his, he was the richest man in, in, in his region at the time, and yet he just took blows. He lost all of his servants, all of his cattle, all of his land, his kids. He had kids. They were meeting in a house, celebrating, having a party. A strong wind came by, blew down the walls of the house, crushed and killed all of his children, his sons and his daughters. He lost his health. He was covered from head to toe with boils, like just giant zits 
all over his body. His health is destroyed. His friends come along. He's thinking, well, maybe my friends will comfort me. His friends kind of turn out to be jerks. His friends actually come along, if you read the story, right? And they said, hey, man, it must be your fault. You're, you're doing something wrong. You deserve all of this. And he's going, thanks, but no Franks. I, I, thanks, I don't need friends like that. Wow, I'm, I'm in hurt and misery. I'm a good guy, and you're, you're going to tell me this? Then his wife even says this. Job, all of this that's happened to you, you know what? You should just curse God and die. That's what his own wife said. Job's in the worst place in the world. And again, you know what it says in the very beginning of the book of Job? He was the most righteous man in the land. He had a heart for God. He was upstanding. He was a good guy, and terrible calamity came his way. And you think about this. Here's another guy in the New Testament, John the Baptist, not to be, be confused with John the disciple, but John the Baptist, I like to call him JTB. It's his initials, right? JTB was a good guy. He was the cousin of Jesus. You would think that he ought to get props and, and respect for just being in the family with Jesus, right? He was a cousin of Jesus. His whole calling and goal in life was to prepare the way for the Messiah. You would think, like, that's a noble, that's an awesome position. God's going to reward that. He gets thrown in jail. He's thrown in jail. He's freaking out. He's kind of suffering. He's kind of asking the disciples, hey, can you go and make sure and ask the guy, ask Jesus, is he really the guy? Because uh, my life is suffering because I'm defending that. Is he really the guy? And so you would think, oh, he's a good guy. God's going to get him out of jail. He lives happily ever after. You guys know, you read the rest of the story of John the Baptist is he didn't get out of jail. He actually got his head chopped off. So here's a guy that never saw any of the reward. Why is this bad stuff happening? In my own life, I can think of a year, it was about... 2012, or me personally, I went through just this crazy boom, 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 boom. Life beat me up, and my, my life exploded. Like, I don't understand what happened to this day. I'm not really sure completely of what happened, but my, my closest relationships in my world blew up, and in the midst of that and heartache, and the next year, I had to go on a three-month sabbatical just to kind of, like, seek God and get some help and find some counseling, and in all of this time, you know what I was asking God is? God, why does bad stuff happen? I'm a good guy. I've given you my whole life. I'm a pastor. I haven't cheated on my wife. I haven't robbed any banks. I haven't murdered anyone. Like, I, I haven't done anything wrong. Where is all of this coming from? It was like the, one of the heaviest seasons in my entire life. And I've been walking through it and getting better slowly. But I still kind of question, why does this all have to happen? So I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you've dealt with some of the stuff, sickness or loss or, or, or experienced like birth defects or abuse. Maybe you've been the victim of something, or I don't know. I don't know why your marriage is about to fail, and you're asking God, I don't know why either, God, or finances, or whatever. Or maybe you just got a flat tire the other day on the way to work. But today, we're going to talk a little bit about this subject, big, crazy subject. I'm going to promise you this right now. I probably won't be able to answer all of your questions in this matter. There's parts of our life, I'm not trying to discourage you or brush it off, commentators, philosophers, teachers of the Bible, they don't have all the answers on this one either, but there's parts of our life that I think it's important for us to acknowledge that there's some things that only God knows and understands and that we don't understand. Because the problem would be if we could understand everything there is to know about God and explain him, we would have no need for him because we come up with our own answers and we become our own God. And there's a part that is so valuable in scripture that is a relationship of faith. And there's some things that I'm not gonna know until I get to heaven. But in the meantime, God did speak to the subject a lot in Scripture, and we're going to look at that, how we can at least kind of under, have a brief understanding, and how do we live in the midst of it? Because the, the bad stuff is still there. Jesus said this, in fact, because you want, to, you want to be like, but God's great. He's a creator. He's a protector. He should be doing all this good stuff. Jesus himself in the New Testament came after he started a relationship with us in John 16, and he says this to his followers. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I want you to find peace, he's saying. But he says this promise, which is kind of almost a little discouraging. He says, here on earth, in this world, in this lifetime, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome the world. And here's my message for you today. Is bad stuff is going to happen. It will happen. It's the state of the world we live in. Jesus promised that this stuff would happen. Bad stuff is part of life. But here's my message to you today. But God is still good, and you can still trust him. And it sounds simple, and it may not answer all of your feelings on the matter, but we're going to take a look at this, that Jesus is promising bad stuff is going to happen. You're going to walk through it, whether you're a Christian or not, but that God is still good, and he's still in control, and we can take heart 
that Jesus overcame the hurtful world that we live in. And we may see some of him overcoming it in our lives. We may not see it until we get out of this world, this earth, this temporary place that we're in until we enter into eternity. But either way, God is still good. Can I get an amen for that this morning? Even if you're going through some hard stuff, I want you to walk away from here today going, God is still good. Now, I like to have fun. I like to tell jokes. I like to, to bring uh, practical uh, relativity into the messages with God. But today's kind of a heavy one a little bit. So I want you to kind of buckle down and take some notes. We're going to talk about a hard subject. Why does bad stuff happen? And there's some things I want you to know. And this is the first one that's very important is, it's going to be on the screen is, remember this. It's God's plan. It's not your plan. There's a lot of things in my life that I would say, I would totally do that differently. And God goes, you're not me. Sorry. (laughs) I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm bigger than you. This is my plan. Get to know me and you'll begin to understand some of my plans. So I'm going to give you some answers here as to why bad stuff happens. You're going to get some answers. It may not be easy answers and it may not necessarily make you feel better, but God says when we understand him that there's a way that will make our life feel better and we're going to get into that so here's god's plan and this is really why bad stuff happens this is really the big explanation for it is sin missing the mark living our lives not according to god's perfect plan for our lives here's the target god perfection his way sin is us doing everything else on our own and 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 missing god's perfect for us sin is a really big deal too, too many of us think like this. Well, I'm born into this life, and I can choose to be a good person God's way, or I can choose sin, but it's up to me to make those choices. Basically, I'm born into this neutral zone. Here's the reality is this entire world that we live in is messed up. It's imperfect. It's corrupted. It's infected. It's tainted by this thing called sin. So we're born into sinful nature, sinful creation that is imperfect. It wasn't God's original plan, but it got messed up when sin came into the world. So listen to this. Because in the beginning, God created something awesome with the Garden of Eden and with, and with mankind, Adam and Eve and all of that, the animals, everything. He looked back on it. Remember this? On the seventh day when he rested, he looked back on what he made. And God said, by his standards that are higher than ours, everything was good. Do you guys remember that part in Genesis? He looked back and he says, man, that's good. But then, here's a little description. God created man and woman and he wanted to have a relationship with us. He wanted to be our father, and he wanted us to be his kids, and he wanted us to have a loving relationship, and everything would go well. But in order to have real love, listen to me, this is important, real love, you have to have free choice. You have to be able to pick love or not pick. When I married my wife, just because we got married, it doesn't mean I gave up the whole game, and she is forced to bow down and love me and serve me and cook for me and do all of this stuff. It's not a a forced thing. God didn't say, I'm forcing you to love me. He goes... In order to experience real love, you guys have the choice to do things my way or to not do things my way. Here's the problem is mankind blew it. Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. They chose to do things their own way. Sin entered into the world, and because of it, Romans 3.23, it affected all of humanity. It says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And then it says it affected all of creation. Why do we have tragedies and earthquakes and floods and all of that? Look at Romans 8.19 says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. In other words, Jesus is going to come back one day, set everything into order, and we're all going to understand like, whoa, he made everything right. But it says against its will, all creation, the birds, the trees, the earthquakes, the, what is it, the tectonic plates and all of that stuff, all creation was subjected to God's curse. And the curse is sin came into this world. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. That means we live in an imperfect, messed up world. Now, that's not a very comforting thought. That doesn't answer all of our questions. But we start to see, listen, it's God's plan. It's not my plan. This is how God set it up. When I get to heaven, I can ask him. But he set this thing up that says, here's the perfect world. But sin kind of ruined it. And it's our choices that kind of mess things up. Um, so we ask ourselves this question, or we ask God this question, is God being fair? I want to talk about the fair thing, because a lot of us, we, we're like little children, and we're like, you're not being fair. It's not fair to me. Why does that bad stuff have to happen? That's not fair. Listen to what Psalm says about fair and about what we deserve, because fairness is given explanation and definition by you get what you deserve, because that is fair. Listen to what God says in Psalm 103. 
He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins through Jesus Christ as far from us as the east is from the west. Now we look at this verse and we say, fair, God, you're not being fair. Why do you let the bad stuff happen to good people? We probably should be asking the question, why do you actually do good stuff for bad people? Because the wages of sin is death. And here's the honest truth for every human. This is not a fun statement to hear or believe in, but it's true. What I deserve, what we all deserve, is eternal separation and death and hell because we've missed the mark and we've lived sinful lives that aren't lined up with a perfect and holy and righteous God in heaven. So we say it's not fair, but the reality is, man, thank you, God, for not being fair, but thank you for being just. Thank you for not being fair because what I deserve, man, I don't want that. I don't want hell. Thank you for sending Jesus and for not being fair because fair means you give me what I deserve. Oh my gosh, every morning I wake up and go, thank you, God, for not being fair with me, but for being just and for sending Jesus. Amen? Does that make a little bit of sense here? I told you this is kind of a, a heavy one. I, what I deserve, I'm, I'm actually not getting. I'm thankful he's not fair. Look, I can't fully understand God's plans, but I know this. He's a good and loving God. And so for now in this lifetime, that's enough for me to hold on and to trust in a good and loving God. He can't go against his nature. He's not a terrible God. The whole scripture, Jesus said, comes down to two commands and one word, love. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's God's nature. I love you. I love you enough that I sent my very own son to die for you. I was out all day at the beach yesterday for eight hours. Some of my friends and family were there 10, 12 hours long. I'm all sunburned. My voice is shot because I was yelling. You know why I was at the beach all day? Because I was cheering my son on in a surf contest. And I love my son, and I'm proud of my son, and I watch him, and I, I'm watching him grow. He's getting taller. He's all lanky, but he's starting to get muscles, and I'm just, I'm just watching him surf in the contest, and I see the way he thinks and what he does and his humor, and I got to tell you this, guys, I love my son so much. I'm so proud of my son, Isaac. I'm proud of my daughters as well, but I'm, I'm just letting you guys know, when I watch him in the contest, I'm just, I'm sitting there, and I'm not getting all emotional, but inside, I'm just like, Wow, thank you, God, for my son. Thank you for my kids. Like, I love them so much. I'm so proud. I can't wait to see them develop into the men and women of God that they're going to be and the plans for their life. I, I hope I'm around long enough and I can watch the grandkids come to me. Man, I'm just so proud of my son. I'll tell you this. I love my son so much that I would never, ever, ever allow my son or give my son to die for any of you. Sorry. You don't rate. I love my son so much that there's no one in this. I would never say, oh, yeah, my son should die for you. But here's what God did. God said, while we were still sinners, he sent his only son to die for us. See, the nature of God is I don't understand his plan, and sometimes it doesn't look like he's being fair, and why does bad stuff kind of happen? But I know his nature, his character, his personality. He's a loving God. He loves me. And for me, that's good enough for right now. Look, my, my daughter... She's nine years old, Sammy, the littlest one, right? She's all the time yelling about what's fair or what's not fair. I don't know, anybody, any of you parents in here? Okay, you can relate to this story. Any of you, the rest of you, anybody ever have parents? Okay, the rest of you. you guys, yeah, I got to make sure that you can understand what I'm talking about or the story doesn't work, right? So you understand the dynamic between parents and kids, and parents have to lay down the rules and the law, and they have to say things like, Sammy, go to bed at 9 o'clock, and she yells at me, it's not fair, Kylie and Isaac get to stay up. I'm like, Kylie is 19 years old in her second year of college. She doesn't have a bedtime anymore, okay? And Isaac is 16, and he's on the computer working on homework. He gets to stay up, but you're nine years old. You should be lucky it's not seven o'clock bedtime. Like, we are totally being fair. Doesn't matter. Your nine-year-old brain says, that's not fair. My parents aren't being fair to me right now. Dad, you're not being fair. So, goes to bed screaming and crying the other night. Oh, you're not fair. You're not fair. You're not fair. But listen to this. In the midst of what she would say is a really bad day or a really bad night. Is that her actually back there? Is that Sammy? <laughs> Sammy, are you in the room? Sammy, I'm telling a story about you. <laughs> Listen up, pay attention. I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> so she's screaming and she's crying and she's telling me it's not fair. I don't understand. In the midst of it not being fair, listen to this. She'll still come in and say, Dad, come lay with me while I fall asleep. 
while she's mad at me for not being fair, Dad, come lay with me while, while I can fall asleep. Hey, watch movies in bed. Hey, read stories. Hey, pray for me. And when we still, she still gets out of the car and we still go places, I don't know how many more years I got of this, so I'm milking it as much as I can. She still gets out of the car before we walk into Target and grabs my hand and holds my hand into Target. And I don't know how much longer I got of that because you guys know when kids grow up, they're like, see you, Dad. Don't be, be near me. Get out of here, right? So right now, I'm milking that. Wow, listen to me. Back to, you're not being fair. She doesn't understand it. She's still holding my hand. She's still writing me notes. She's still dropping this on my desk because she trusts me enough. She comes by and she says, Dad, here, fix this. You guys know what this is? This is the wig to the top of her doll. This is the hair. It's super weird and creepy and disgusting. But this is what's dropped on my desk. And you know what this speaks to me of? Love and trust. That in the midst of, I don't understand, you're not being fair, I know that my dad is good and that he loves me and that I love him and I trust him to fix the other stuff in my life. Are you guys get what I'm talking about here today? That's kind of the message of today is I still love you anyway even though I don't understand. Amen? Is that good? So hopefully you don't have any of these in your house, but I got to glue this on later today. But here's, here's I got some more sermon to, to, to preach and I got to get going real quick. Here's my second point is... Not only is it God's plan, and it's not yours, you don't understand it, you trust and you love him anyway, but God actually has purpose in your pain and in your suffering. That sometimes we get to see the purpose, and that is such a blessing to us. Is that, man, I'm going through a rough time, and then I get, get to see that, like, you know what the rough time did for me is, I found my anchor in Jesus Christ, but I had to experience the storm in order to find the anchor. So sometimes you see the purpose. I had to go through that pain, but it led me to Jesus, praise God. I had to go through the pain because it proved my faith is real because I can talk a good story, come to church on the weekend, hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. But until I went through the rough stuff and I had to actually have faith in God, well, now I realize what faith in God is all about, and it's a good thing. So I understand that there's a purpose sometimes for the pain. Sometimes the purpose for you going through the trial that you're going through right now is because your friends, your family, your coworkers, other people are watching you, and they're waiting for you to fall. But when you maintain in the midst of the darkest valleys of life and you hold on to God and you come out victorious, all of those friends and family are like, something is real over there. I need to get to know that Jesus guy that you worship and you praise. Do you understand that sometimes we get to see the purpose in the pain and that's a good thing? I thank God for those times. There was this 17-year-old girl that loved Jesus with all of her heart. Year is 1967. Loves Jesus, 17-year-old teenager. She dives into a lake breaks her neck, didn't see the rock in there, instantly becomes quadriplegic, paralyzed. It's this, this lady, this woman named uh, Johnny Erickson Tada. Some of you guys have heard of her story. She breaks her neck. She's in this worst place. I'm 17 years old my whole life. I love Jesus. Why did you do this to me, God? This is terrible. I want to die. Why does bad stuff have to happen to good people? I'm a good person. Why? It ruins. She's in the darkest depths of her life. Where's the purpose in this? But in the midst of it, she discovers the goodness of God. And she begins to see that, like, I'm still going to keep going forward. And my God is still good, even though I don't understand what's going on. She starts painting and drawing with her, her mouth because she can't move her arms. There's a picture of her. Can we show that picture? So she becomes an artist. Then she becomes a speaker. She has an uh, international radio show talking about the goodness of God. She writes a book that says, hey, you don't have to give in to suffering and to depression. That God is still good in the midst of it. She ends up having this huge ministry. She does all this stuff for disabled people that can't afford wheelchairs. She gets all hundreds of thousands of wheelchairs. She, she's impacting numerous, who many knows how many hundreds of thousands of lives in the world around her. People come to know Jesus because she went through a hard time. And so she says, hey, it's a good thing that sometimes God has a purpose and I get to see it. And this is a quote that she said. This might apply to your life. Listen to this. God sometimes permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. It may be that what you're going through in life, God isn't happy about either. He doesn't like to see you hurt and suffer. And you hate it. And you don't understand why. But God's going, oh, dang, I got to permit my son Carl down there to hurt right now. His heart is torn up. He's going through a rough patch in his life, three months on sabbatical, trying to get his family all back together, trying to get his walk with me. I hate that he's hurting like that, and he hates it. But it's going to make him a better pastor, a better father, a better, a better husband, a better friend someday, and I'm going to love that that comes out of it, but I have to permit something I hate in order to accomplish something I love. Does that make sense to you guys? Is it sometimes we can, we're, we're blessed enough to see that God doesn't create the bad stuff, but he can always use it. But here's the thing that gets me. Sometimes, sometimes we don't see the purpose in the pain. We just don't see it. And that's the tough question today is, 
There's some stuff we just don't understand and it's never revealed to us. There's a verse in Isaiah 57.1 because I talked to so many people, myself included, I struggle with this. Why did you take my friends or my family or my, my kids or whatever? Why did you take them so early, God? They died. They literally are out of this lifetime and I am heartbroken for it. And I don't understand. I don't get to see the purpose played out. There's times that we don't see it. There's this verse that gave me comfort, Isaiah 57.1, if you've ever lost someone too early. Good people, listen to what it says, good people pass away. The godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. See, it blows our mind when it's like, I don't understand why they have to pass away. And God's going, man, if you could only see it from my perspective, I've got purpose. I, I, I'm still working while you're hurting, while you're still going through what you're going through. There's, there's a bigger thing than you can see that's happening over here. And that is that maybe I just had the ultimate act of love and mercy and I was actually taking them home to be with me earlier so they wouldn't have to walk through what their life was going to turn out to be. See, we don't understand it. We don't see it. But God is still working in the midst of it. See, I think too many times is that we're so caught up in our season of grief. And it may be a lifetime of grief and pain. Child abuse victims, people in, in terrible circumstances and all of this stuff. Why does it have to be so long? But really, this lifetime and the season in our life that's bad is just one frame of the entire movie. Anybody watch Netflix in here? You guys got Netflix? Anybody? Netflix, Hulu. I canceled cable years ago, and I just did Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon. I watch movies and series and whatever, but it's all on demand, which means I can stop it at any time, rewind, fast forward, all that. What I love about HD TV is it's so clear and close. So if I come in and I pause a show, it freezes it instantly, and it's crystal clear, right? Which is funny because sometimes you look at really good-looking people. Like I was watching Supergirl the other day, right? Really cute girl and all that. But when you pause it and you catch them mid-dialogue or mid-blink sometimes, they look like this. Like... <laughs> and you just froze that moment in time. And I love that. My kids love that. We walk in, we're cracking up. We try to pause it as much as we can in the most awkward position. People are... Right? And you press play, and in the next few frames, it plays out, and you're like, oh, they're a good-looking person. They're cool. But I love that moment when you freeze it, and it's just like, yeah. And they're just frozen on that. And this is what I think sometimes with God is our life is focused on the ugly moment, and we're just like, why, God? This is so lame. I'm frozen in this right now. Ah, what's going on? And God's going, oh, wait till you see how the rest of the movie plays out. Look, I've seen the movie already. I've seen the sequels, the prequels. I know all the actors. In fact, I wrote this story. I know what happens in, in the bigger scheme of things and my purpose. It's amazing. It's really good. But you're just stuck in that one ugly moment. You guys get what I'm saying right now? Is that God has a purpose even in the midst of what we feel is a terrible time. And now I want to give you my, my third point here, which is a story from the Bible. Because it's one thing to know that it's God's plans and God has a purpose. But here's what I need to know when I ask uh, about God and, and hard times. God, what do you expect me to do in the middle of the hard times? Because I'm hurting right now. It's good to know that it's your plan and it's your, your, you know, your, your purpose for my life. But I need some help here in the middle of this pain that I'm going through. And this is the, the third point is that God's presence is with you in the pain. And he actually gives us instructions in the word in many places on what we're supposed to do in the middle of the season of horrific suffering and pain and confusion and our friends are dying, our finances have crashed, or we're on the brink of divorce, we don't know what's going on, uh, tragedies, accidents are happening. There's a lot of you in the room right now that you're dealing with this stuff. And the Bible gives us actually some instructions on how to live in that time. Now here's the story that I get from the Bible. It's, it's, it's a story that we see in Jeremiah 29, but here's the story. God's people, the Jews, who love him, worship him, they're in Jerusalem, in the holy city, in the land of Judah. And they love him, they're living according to his word, but they've gotten a little lazy in recent years, and they kind of don't worship them the way that they used to. They kind of are like kind of flirting with the other idolatry and idols and, and gods of the land, and they kind of turned to selfishness and gotten a little way away from God. So God says, you know what, I don't cause this, but I'm going to allow something terrible so that something good can come out. I'm going to allow my Jewish people in Judah, in the city of Jerusalem, to be taken into captivity, that King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon is going to come, he's going to conquer them, he's going to take away all their houses, everything, and he's going to move a bunch of them, not all of them, but thousands of them, take them from their homes, and they're going to have to live in Babylon, foreign culture, for 70 years. Now, this is really terrible. Like, we're thinking, oh yeah, I know, it sounds like a good historical story. Think about this, the house that you lived in all of your life, 
that you've helped paint, you've raised kids in, and you've taken care of it, and all of this, is suddenly these guys come in, they conquer it, they mess up, your, they destroy your houses, they take anything that's of value to you so that they can have it on their own, you're stripped of all of this, then they grab some of you, not everyone, they're breaking up families, I'm taking these guys over here, parents away from kids, we're taking some of them over here to Babylon, to exile, some of you guys can stay over here, we've demolished everything, we've taken all your stuff, we've, we've ruined your land, we've destroyed your temple, your place of worship, where you go to worship your God, we demolished it, we've torn it down, and we're going to take a bunch of you, and you're going to now have to live in this foreign land. You don't speak the language there. The culture is totally different. They do things differently than you do. Um, you, they worship all of these other gods, and you are all about trying to worship the one true God. Now you're influenced. You're going to lose your sense of identity, who you are as a people group, that there isn't going to be Jewish pride anymore. They're trying to weed it out of you, and you're messed up. You're disrupted. And God says this is going to happen for 70 years. 70 years you're going to be living like this. So here, this is a bad situation. Compare it to whatever bad situation you're in. This is really bad. But the scripture tells us a little bit about what we can do and how we react to the hard times. And here's the first thing I want you to write down. I'm going to give you about how many? Four things that aren't in the notes. I want you to write this down. If you're going through something really hard right now, here's some practical advice that the Bible is saying. For these people in this time, but for us in our time. And this is the first one. Remember who God is and what he's done. Remember how good of a God he is. Remember what, what he did for you before in your life. Look at what Psalm 137 says. Someone writing about, we're stuck in this foreign land and this is terrible and we, we hate being in Babylon and God's taking everything away. Look what he said. Psalm 137. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. Some of you guys are weeping in your lives right now because there's some bad stuff that's going down. And you just need to remember that God is still good. And you need to think about that. We sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps. We're not going to sing joy anymore, praise anymore. We're bummed. We're hurting. We're hanging them on the branches of the poplar trees. For our captors are demanding a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? Now listen to this, verse 5. If I forget about you, O Jerusalem... And God, and all the good times he brought us. If I forget that, then let my right hand forget how to play the harp. May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. You know what these people are saying is? Man, we're going to remember the joy of the Lord. We're here, and this is terrible, but we remember how good God was to us in the past. And if we can remember how good God was to us in the past, his loving nature, his character, his personality, then maybe there's hope that he's still that loving God and God is gonna work something good out of this time. See, whatever you're going through right now, my marriage, Carl, you wouldn't even know. I don't even wanna tell you. I don't want counseling. It's so bad. It's terrible. Here's what I want you just to remember is that God probably got you, through, got you over a hurdle in your marriage before and if he could do it before, he can do it again. And if it's your finances that are struggling and you lost the job and you don't know, remember that time he came through about 25 years ago and you got the miraculous job and the promotion that you don't know where that came from. You know that that was God. Remember how good God is and the power and the things that he's, he's capable of. Remember that stuff. See, when my life blew up in 2012 and I was going through that tough time in 2013, you know what I was thinking of? I was remembering back to 2006 where I went through some really hard times before. And the stuff that was blowing up in 2012 was pretty bad. But in 2006, I lost two of my good friends. They died within two days of each other. One was in his early 20s, one in his early 30s. And I had helped these guys come to find the Lord. They were in connect groups with me. I was surfing with them all the time. I was discipling. I baptized them. And they both lost their life in 26 within a couple days of each other. And I was devastated. I was heartbroken. I found out about it. I couldn't even preach. I was, I was shot. I had to deal with that. And then a, a few months later, my daughter was eight years old at the time. She got appendicitis. Normally, you get your appendix out. I had mine out. No big deal. You check in. They do the procedure. You walk out the next day. My daughter's ruptured in her before they got her to the hospital. The doctors misdiagnosed her. They said, oh, it's just the stomach flu. No big deal. Well, we took her home. It ruptured. Toxin in her whole body. Little eight-year-old girl in the hospital for a week, which means Kanani and I were in that hospital room for a week. In the middle of the night, on the, the third day in, all the machines went off. She's like swollen up from all this infection and fluids and everything. Middle of the night, all the machines are beeping. Nurse comes running in and she just says, I need to call her doctor right now. And I just panic and I lose it. And I'm on the floor kneeling in the hospital room pleading for my daughter's life. God, I don't understand this. Why is this happening to me? Well, let me tell you, God came in. She was healed. She went through it. 
And I'm thinking in 2012, back to 2006 and going, dang, my God was good. He helped me through some really incredibly hard stuff in my life in 2006. If he could do that then, he's going to do that now in 2012. And God got me through it, and I'm here. But here's the first thing I want you to remember is, while you're going through that, remember how good God is. Remember his character. Remember that he's been there for you. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He gives us the Holy Spirit. If he's done it before, he'll do it again. That You don't have to go through that bad stuff alone. Remember that he's here with you. He's been good. He will continue to be good. Does that help anybody here today? Amen. Here's the second point. Thrive and shine in the dark times. Not only remember God, but you actually have a decision to make to thrive and shine in the darkness you're going through. Jeremiah, the prophet, speaking to these people that have been yanked out of their homeland and they're in captivity and they're bummed out and they're hurting. He says, here's what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives that he's exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Here's what I want to tell you to do. While you're hurting, while life is terrible, while you're split up from your family, you don't have a place of worship, your foreign culture, foreign gods, all of this stuff, here's what I want you to do. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for those children so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Don't windle away. Don't dwindle away. Don't give up. Don't just fade out. Don't just give in to what's going on, but thrive in the midst of this. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Here's what he's saying. Stabilize. Stay busy. Be prosperous. Be productive in this terrible time. You know, there's a group of people that comes in here every Friday night. I don't know if you've been to Friday night service, but Pastor Ernie in our recovery ministry, Pastor Augie, they bring in this whole group of people, and they always sit right over here in this zone. And it's the folks that are in treatment right now down the bottom of the hill at Hinamaka, the Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center. And these people come in, they're coming to church, and they're all broken, and they're going through this stuff in their life. They're at a terrible time in their life where addiction and, and wrong choices have caught up with them, and they're in Hinamaka, and they're coming to church, and they come, and they, a lot of them feel unworthy. Well, oh, thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for, for loving us. Thank you for all this. And I'm like, why would you feel, if anything, the rest of us need to take note of what you're doing, because in the midst of the deepest, darkest, hurtful time in your life, you're moving forward, you're thriving, you're checking yourself into a place that is gonna help you build new, new habits and take away the distractions of life. And you're coming up to church seeking a good God that's gonna do good things in your life. You're thriving and shining in the midst of the darkest season of your life. Do you guys understand that? And we, I, man, when I see them every week, they're over here always in this like, corner. I'm just like, they, they fire me up because they're hungry, because they're trying to make something good out of a terrible situation. Here's what God's saying is to thrive in the midst of it. It will get better. And to multiply, spread the love, spread the aloha that you're feeling. Make, others people life, make other people's lives better because you're in it. That means while you're hurting, you have something still to give away to bless other people's lives. Pray, he says. Pray for prosperity and blessing even of your oppressors. That means some of you guys have forgotten. You have a lot of words and a lot of things to say in regards to your bosses, your teachers, your authorities, but we are not using those words in prayer. We're using them to complain and to belittle and to put down. When's the last time you prayed for President Trump? When is the last time you prayed? Because we have a lot of words to use about our president, don't we? And about our government and about all this stuff going on. And what God is saying is, no, 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 don't just keep things dark. Hey, while you're there, thrive, shine, speak life. You just shoot for something that's good. Celebrate the goods. Find the miracles in the mess. There's so many people I know that they're, they're going through such heavy situations, and I look at them, and they're smiling, and they're finding joy in the little things that are going good in their life while they're hurting. Some of you guys need to make sure you get to the worship night this Wednesday night, and you say this, no, I don't feel like worshiping. I'm hurting too bad right now. I don't, really, I don't really feel like that. I can't do that. Well, that's the proof that you need it more than ever. You're going through a hard time. You need to lift your eyes to heaven, thrive and shine, and you watch what God's going to do. He'll turn you around. In the midst of the darkness, celebrate the good. Is that a good word right there? You just got to choose to do that. Here's the third thing is, don't get distracted. When you're going through the hard stuff, don't get distracted. Here's what I, or Jeremiah says to the people. Hey, here's what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. 
listen to the right voices. When you're going through a painful time, be careful who you listen to. Because some people will just give you bad advice that's going to keep you down and out. Oh, man, it really sucks you're going through that. Yeah, I'm hurting right now. Yeah, you should be. That's pretty bad. Like, your life's terrible. Yeah, I know it is. That's not helping. Yeah, no, it's, I've never seen anything this bad. Oh, poor you, right? Like, that doesn't help at all. Job's friends were kind of like that. You read the book of Job. And there's sometimes people give you bad advice on what they think is going to make your life better. See, here's the deal. We need to be listening to the right voices, the people that are godly, that are speaking into our lives. The words that we're listening to from other people around us, do they line up with God's word and is best for my life? Because if not, I don't want to get distracted. I want to listen to the right stuff. You know, for me personally, there's a lot of people that I hear what they say, but I don't listen to them. I hope you're not one of those people. But it's like people in your life, think about this. The people that talk, and you hear them, but you have the choice to say, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to take it to heart. I'm not going to let it affect me. There's people that I just tune out because it's not good while I'm in a hurtful time. The news, let me tell you this. I used to watch the news religiously every morning, every night, see what's going on, but I found out that it wasn't good for me. It drained me, all of that negativity. I keep up enough to know what's going on in the world, but if I let too much of that stuff in, you know what it does? It causes me to live my life in paranoia, in worry, and be locked up in the stronghold of fear. And that's not the life that God called me to as a believer of Jesus Christ. Even if the whole world blows up and falls apart, because I follow Jesus, I win in the end. Anybody ever read the Bible? You ever read a book and you just got to the end page because you want to see how it turns out? Well, guess what happens when we read the end of the Bible? We win, right? Amen. So the worst that could happen is I want to walk around in peace and joy and confidence in God and not be like, oh, I watch all the news and it's just terrible and it just has me, you know, I'll pray for those people. But see, I don't want it to affect me. My daughter came home the other day with one of those little papers. If your kids get those like that are the public announcement from schools or the state or whatever. And it says this. It's like just trying to be helpful. Hey, with all the stuff that's going on in North Korea right now, here's what to do in time of a nuclear tragedy. I was like, am I literally getting this right now? Like in the mail? Like are we living in a world, and we are, where they're telling us what to do if nuclear bombs come and hit us, right? I'm like, this is actually going home in my kids' take-home folder, right? The take-home Thursday folder. And I'm looking at this thing, and here's what it says. In case of nuclear war or whatever, go inside, shut the door. I was like, that's my first step? Okay. Uh, go under the table. And, you know, I'm just like, what? Like, this is what they're literally saying. But listen, if I let all of that news just inundate my life all the time, I would be walking around in fear and in those kind of bondages and strongholds. And I don't want to let those distractions get to me. I want to know what's going on so I can pray, amen, be a light to my community. But I don't need all those voices just coming and telling me doomsday reports, how bad everything is, and knocking me down. Man, I believe in Jesus. Like, I, I win in the end. Like, I want to walk around with that kind of hope. And here's the very last thing it leads to that is, the last thing to do if you're going through a hard time is stay full of hope. Stay full of hope. In verse 10, one of the greatest parts of the scripture, but we forget the context of this scripture. The context is people who are hurting, they're in captivity for 70 years, and the prophet Jeremiah is promising them and telling them, stay full of hope, God's got a plan for your life. Look at this part. It says, this is what the Lord says, you'll be in Babylon for 70 years. Ouch, that hurts, we don't like that. We don't understand it. But then, here's what God says, I will come and do for you all the things that I promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity, restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. Is that good right there? See, that's us going, man, it's dark, it hurts, it's terrible, but I have a hope in Jesus. And that God is going to promise me some things that I can't see yet, but there's promises to come. And when I see them or how I see them, I don't know, but I'm going to stay full of hope, and I'm not going to stay full of nope. You guys know what I'm saying? Stay full of hope and not full of nope. Because some of us, bad stuff's happening. You come along like, hey, uh, how's, how's life going? Getting any better? Nope. Uh, I've been praying for you. You see any results? Of nope. Um, you've been trying to get yourself out of the pit or doing Nope. Like, you think it's going to work out okay? Nope. You going to church? Nope. Reading your Bible? Nope. Right? We're so full of hope, I mean, we're so full of nope, that we miss out on what God's trying to do. He's trying to lead us out of the tunnel into the light, but we're just so full of nope. I went to Washington, D.C. on a church conference with my wife a couple months ago, 
and we went to the Holocaust Museum. Anybody ever went to that museum? You can't, you can't walk out of there with dry eyes. It's so heavy. It's one of the ultimate places where you ask, God, why does bad stuff happen? Wait, not just the good people. These are your people, the Jews. What, whoa, why did that happen to your nation, God? This is heavy. And it's just a, it stirs you up in a good way. Like, you need to know this stuff. We need to deal with this. We need to be aware of the world and the evil around us. But we were watching this video that they had in this Holocaust Museum, and it's all of these old men and women who've been survivors through concentration camps and all of this kind of stuff, lost loved ones, they, they made it out, and they're telling their story. One of the guys in it, he's telling the story, and he goes, I was in the concentration camp, and it was terrible. People are dying, people are malnourished, people have lice and diseases and sickness and no clothes, and they're made to stand out in the snow for hours at a time. People are just dropping dead. We're getting old, stale bread and gross mold and just terrible conditions. And you don't know if your friends or family are going to be gassed the next day. You don't know what's going on. The guards are just mean, and they, they just mock and abuse the, 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 the prisoners. And he said he saw his friend praising God in the courtyard, in the snow and everything. And he was just he was praying, and he was praising God. And this is what the old man said. He says, what are you praising God for in this place? How could you possibly have anything good to say or praise in the middle of this place? And this is what the friend said. The friend said, I'm thanking God that he did not make me like the murderers around me. He found hope in the midst of a terrible, hopeless place. He said, I'm praising my God and I'm thanking him that at the very least, he didn't create me to have a heart and to be a person that is as evil as all of these people that are all around me. God, I can still hope in you in the midst of the most terrible things in life. Now, this isn't an easy sermon to preach on. It's not an easy topic to talk about. But it's our choice to stay full of hope and not full of nope. And it's our understanding to say that bad stuff is part of this life, but my God is still good. And you and I, we may not understand God's plans and why everything happens until we get to heaven one day. But until we're mature enough to look back and understand what God was doing, it's this right here. <laughs> it's that we love him enough to know that he is good and we're gonna choose to follow him and we're gonna give him the parts of our life that are broken that need to be fixed and we're gonna hold on and know my God is good and that's enough for me for now. I'm just gonna keep on holding on. Is that an okay word for you guys this morning? Is that good? I hope it, I hope it helps someone. Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that word, and I know for a lot of us it's probably a very, very timely word. I know that there's hurt and there's suffering and there's pain going on in this room and in this church, God, and I don't want to make light of that. There's no easy answers, but Lord, you've given us enough in your word that we can kind of find some of the truth and we can learn to just hold on to you, and that's really all that matters for now. One day, we'll see you face to face. We'll have all the answers to all of our, our questions. But for now, God, we're just going to keep on holding on to you because you still are good, even in the midst of the most terrible things in our life. So God, we love you and we trust you. I ask that you would help us to hold on that much longer. Lord, that you would calm our hearts that you're here with us in the middle of the pain that we're feeling and the tears that we, that we, that we drop every night as we're just struggling with issues. Lord, that we know that your Holy Spirit is here with us. Lord, comfort us in this time that we're going through and show us that you still have a purpose even in the midst of our pain. And I want to say a prayer right now with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed. If, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ before, you, you right now could be sitting here going, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian, Pastor Carl. I don't, I don't know. I've read about God before. I've been to church before. But if you've never really made the full-on commitment, uh, surrender to God to say, God, I want to do things your way completely. If you've never done that before, but something is drawing you to that decision today. The majority of the people in this room, they've already decided that and they know how good it is to have God in their life. And if you're someone that's, if you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in, I want to allow you to be an insider today. I want to invite you into the family, into the inner circle, into the club, into what Christianity and the life of faith is all about. I want to pray a prayer with you that would bring you into relationship with God, that would set things right in your life, that you're not living life on your own anymore, but that God's got you and he's got plans for you. If you'd like to do that and you'd like to say that prayer, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to pray the, the words for you and with you. And I'll pray it out loud right now to the microphone and you'll all hear it. 
I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud. I want you to pray it in your heart of hearts right now. And you mean it to God with all your heart, the words that I pray out loud. After service, you can go and confess it with your mouth. In other words, tell people, hey, I prayed that prayer. I'm a Christian now. But let's take care of the heart issue first. And if you want to pray this prayer with me to make things right in your life and your relationship with God, I'm going to ask you before we pray that prayer together that you would just let me know you want to pray that with me. Nobody in the room has their eyes open. Nobody's looking around. It's it's not a show thing. But I'm watching because I want to know who I get the privilege of leading in a prayer with. So if you would like to pray this prayer to become a Christian and follow God right now, see what he can do in your life, would you let me know we're going to pray together by raising your hand right now? Would you just hold it up high? Like, just hold it up. I just want to see you. I want to acknowledge. I see this hand over here. I see you right there, sir. Anybody else that I look around? I see a couple, two hands together in the middle. I see you guys. I see a woman's hand back there. I see you, ma'am. I see you over here. I see two of you guys in the same row. Praise God. Anybody else? This is the decision that changes everything in your life. I promise you. Not a religion, but relationship with God. God, thank you for those hands. I saw that hand over there. If you're in the kids' room or in the courtyard or even if you're watching online, Just know that God sees you. There's people here that will acknowledge that. But I want you to pray this with me in your heart of hearts right now. Make this a prayer of your heart. God, I'm here tonight, today, in this place. Lord, I'm telling you from my heart right now, I need you. I want you. Tired of living life on my own and and, and reaping the consequences. Lord, I want to know that you're with me. And Lord, that I can be considered brought into your family and not pay the price of sin in my life. Lord, as I right now tell you that I want to follow you and I'm surrendering my life to you, I believe that Jesus, your son, who you sent in your great love, came to earth 2,000 years ago to die on a cross to take the hit for us. Lord, that we understand that we're sinners and we're separated from you, but because of what Jesus did, he brought us back into relationship with you, and now we have your power and your love and your mercy and forgiveness working in our lives. So, Lord, personally, from each of us, they raise their hand here today. We want to follow you. We're telling you, here's our life. Show us how to live it. We're going to follow you as we read our Bible, go to church, receive the power of the Holy Spirit, get baptized as a symbol of new life. Lord, everything that you have for us, our answer from the bottom of our heart right now is, yes, we will follow you from here on out. You're our God, and we choose to be your kids. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Can we praise God with all those people that prayed that today? Amen. Amen.